one. Q2 earnings season rolls on, and we got a mixed bag here in the big tech. We'll try and figure that out. We got Coke. We got Visa. We have Texas Instruments. Did you see that buyback by Wells Fargo? Does that make any sense at all? Angie sets her at 835 to talk about the commodity markets. It's hump day. It's pre-market prep. Let's get it started. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's pre-market prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders and investors. We're starting the day in the S&P futures just a little bit in the red. Seven and a half handles at 45.8850 trading just off the pre-market low. Uh, Buck taking the breather down 20 cents at 100.90. Bonds basically flat here ahead of the big Fed meeting. Crude giving some back down 92 cents at 78.71. Gold trying to make it to 2K up 980 at 1973.50. Silver up again, up only a nickel though at 24.73. And Bitcoin quiet down here, 29K, 140. We're down 40 bucks in Bitcoin futures. And we bet that kit that, that will move off the Fed results. So uh, I have a, a question for Dennis. Let's bring in Dennis here. Sure. Dennis, did you see the RTX news yesterday? Ha. Joel's dig, got to dig, dig in that world. Dig. This hit me with dig. it. Hit me with it. The example was brutal. I'll give you the example. It was brutal. The point was valid, but the example was brutal. The diggers dug well, though, man. I got to tell you, man. The diggers sometimes come up with some good stuff, but I it was still an iceberg, and somebody obviously <laughs> caught that before the rest of the market. So it, it tells you. So let's just take it back to a teaching point here. It tells you yeah, sometimes man. you can actually dig through these reports and find something because the stock was, you know, trading only down $3 the entire pre-market until people really started to get a feel for it, and CNBC talked it non-stop oh they did too. they did oh they, they did. destroyed it it was destroyed <laughs> by media because they could not let off you know uh, on talking about it but you know even the ceo got on there and said this oh, is no. going to be very minimal impact for earnings but i didn't know they're going to rip the planes apart i'm like i, I thought I, they look at the plane you know parts got to be inspected oh you look oh that one's good no they got to take the planes apart well that's <laughs> a little bit of a different story and that's the problem when you're talking news live and you don't yeah. have all the facts. There it's you go. Fu it's I funny. know they're ripping the planes apart. It's funny because, uh, like, when, when I'm Give on. Me the with, heat. I deserve I'm, it. I, I know. Like, when, when I'm on with Mitch and sometimes when we come on in the morning, I'm like, what happened at 2.02 uh, a.m. in like 38 <laughs> seconds? Or I used to do that when I was in the office of the news desk. I'm like, news, news, news. And they look at me and they're like, Joel. There's no news. The S&P's just moved 10 points. I'm like, I'm telling you, there's news, news on news. this stock. Yeah, there's uh, always we, something. We, we, we still yell the dig. Find us the news. <laughs> there's yeah. always something. And they something. do. They'll find news. And sometimes they find good stuff. And sometimes they find not so good stuff. Yesterday, whoever dug that for CNBC, because they were the kind of the first to report it, those diggers did a good job. So props <laughs> to the digger on CNBC. He found the devil in the details. Okay, let's yeah, uh, see what happens there. Yeah, or she, who or the seller he or she. So okay, so Nick we're going to we, news too. We'll give a shout out to Nick. He finds the news too. Okay, all right. We, before we get to the, the major reports, right? Let's just really quickly uh, just put out there. I don't want to do too much talk on this. I think we all kind of expect the same thing. But of course, FOMC meeting today. All Ooh, eyes yeah, on Fed Chair Jerome Powell at the conference. The market is pricing in around ninety-eight percent chance that the central bank raises interest rates 25 basis points. I think this is just a given, right? I don't think mm -hmm. any of us are expecting anything else. The only thing that we will be watching for, of course, is the fireworks at the conference. The tone, the tone. Can he say anything, right, that would actually make us feel like the Fed is getting a little bit dovish? Or will they stay hawkish 
with the mentality that they're trying to, at no matter what, get inflation back down to that 2% and maybe showing that they could raise even further the rates. All the questions that we will have. I'll just, I mean, I thought he was hard. It was a hawkish pause last time and the market ripped my face off. So I, I, I really just like dripping faces off. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he does. I'll just leave it to you guys. We could talk commodities at 835 with Angie. I mean, it's been, to me, it's been just too easy with uh, this fighting of inflation. And, you know, and we'll see, um, you know, what they have to say. I mean, what they've done has worked so far. Dennis, what's your opinion? I mean, it's hard to trade the the Fed. Fed Mitch is right. It's we know they're going the quarter. It's a matter of what is the tone? Are they talking like one more and done, like one and done? Because the market would applaud that. If he gives hints of the one and done, the party probably continues. The party yeah. probably continues. If he starts talking about, well, we need more data, we need more, and you know, not hinting of the he's, one and done. They're not one and done, but he's done. not going to say that. He is not going to say well, that. We, we know they're going one and then one more. So saying in the conference, they already went one, but one more and done. Then if he hints, a, if he hints. Oh. That'd be crazy. Yeah, that, crazy. what we're all looking for is not necessarily if it's 50 basis points even more. I think it's just the pivot, right? That's what we're more focused on. We just How want to see close stop. is that pivot? Stop raising rates. That's what we want to see. Yeah. That's what the market wants to see. We'll but see let's be honest here. If he has the market where he can be tough, because this market is exactly tough. the market has held up so well. It's not like we're in the gutter here and we're down, you know, a hundred handles, you know, it ain't uh, the bear uh, market you know. anymore. Yeah, we're full bull ramp FOMO mode. He's almost got to go to irrational exuberance talk like Ooh. Alan Greenspan. So he probably is gonna talk tough here. And this market probably needs it. It needs a little bit of cooling. I mean, this market finds a silver lining in everything, and maybe we should take it to the Microsoft earnings. Because they were trying to buy this thing up last night, too. Even though the earnings were not fantastic and the Azure numbers were not great either. The stock was actually almost, it actually went green momentarily just after 6 o'clock until the AI poof happened. Let's give the Microsoft numbers here. Q4 EPS coming in at $2.69. Beat the $2.55 estimate. Sales at $56.2 billion beating also the 55.47 billion estimate. Intelligent cloud revenue that includes all of them was up 15%. More personal computing revenues were actually down 4%. Windows OEM revenue down 12%. Device revenues down 20%. And then when you look at it, of course, uh, just mentioned that Dennis just mentioned it, Azure cloud revenues slowed from 27% to 26% this quarter. But what's really being compared is the year over year number where this was at 40% a year ago this quarter. Yeah. So, and Microsoft priced 33 times earnings here now, Joel, 33 times <laughs> earnings. So when you start seeing Dan Niles, you got to, if Dan Niles on CNBC, you unmute the TV because Dan Niles is a smart cookie. And he was on there last night on Sully's show. And I'm like, I'm going to hear what Dan Niles has to say about Microsoft because this guy's smart. And Dan Niles comes on and he says, when I saw the numbers, you know, initial numbers, you're like, well, those are fine. But then he digs down and I saw the Azure numbers and it was going from the growth is still slowing there. And this is their growth engine. Like this is why Microsoft at the current time, you know, people are obviously looking further into the AI story, but they're also looking, you know, they're one growth business they have cooking on firing on all cylinders right now is Azure. And he's like, that's the second quarter in a row where growth is slowed. Dan now said, as soon as I saw those numbers, I sold the stock. He says he sold it at 348. He says, I also uh, sold Amazon on that as well, because obviously Amazon cloud services, it's going to get impacted as well. Stock was still holding up. We knew those numbers and it was holding up and it actually temporarily went green. It did. I saw it. Unbelievable. So it was down to 339. It had come all the way back and went green on these numbers. But what really put the stock in and, and what's tanked the stock on the call was when they mm-hmm. started talking about AI specifically. And there was one comment that I think really tanked it. It was from the CFO. And he said that Microsoft says the growth from AI. So the CFO said the growth from AI sales will be gradual. And mm. I'm like, oh boy, that is something you cannot say when you are in an AI bubble. So they are priced to AI perfection. 
and you want to hear like AI growth explosive. You want to hear like other words. You cannot yeah. hear from the CFO that AI growth will be gradual. So now you're telling me your Azure is slowing down. The growth slowing. It's still going up, but the growth is slowing. And you're telling me the AI, which you have basically Microsoft's packed on 50 points from AI. And they're telling me that that's, those sales are going to be, those sales growth is going to be gradual. That's not the word you want. You want like, you know, a, a, a temper, robust, like a better word. Robust. Robust, explosive, not so, gradual. And I think the, I think the bot saw, saw that and heard that commentary. And that's when we had the hard tank from 351 down to 340 in like a blink of an eye. So that's, you know, and that's why the stock is down here today. But there's nothing great here. This so is you, 33 times earnings. Microsoft, I had sold my Microsoft that I had for years in my portfolio when it got to 26 times earnings, 27 times earnings right in there. So it's like, it's starting to get expensive. And now it's 33. It's way more expensive. Do I wish I still had it? For sure. But I mean, you're priced to perfection here. With that being said, we're in the FOMO market. Everybody wants to have growth. They're probably forgive and forget because the silver lining market that will find a reason to buy this dip. That's just the way this market is. Maybe give it a day or two for the dust to settle, but I'm not going to short Microsoft on this because yeah. I'm telling you, it's tough market to short and it's a tough market to be bearish in. Uh, boy, oh boy, this price action is absolutely all over the place. Uh, not co- I mean, it didn't really rebound off the rebalancing, right? We, we, we talked about that and it got hit, right? Because of the rebalancing and it didn't get much of a, a retracement, nowhere near the 50%. Uh, I'll give you numbers for today. Obviously keen on that pre-market low of 335. That's three and a half bucks away. I'm not sure that that's safe, but I think for right now, the only place that I see multiple lows in the same area is like 327 th- between 327 and 328. Now I know that's another 10 bucks lower, uh, but that's what I mean. To me, that's where the next daily support comes in. Uh, boy, I mean, when they take on a uh, a tone after earnings, you got to be careful. And I'm just looking at this delta, and yeah, it popped. It had the high of the move on its earnings day. That's been under pressure. I just think if you're looking to sell this thing into strength. I think the best you can look for is the bottom of yesterday's range at 345. Like if they get some kind of rip roaring rally, I'd look at that as resistance and let's see if it can work its way down to 327. You know, one thing that I'd point out to here also in the report, and I think you're 100% right, Dennis, that we might start hearing more and more about that the hype of AI is not actually showing up on the bottom line. And this is what was my concern in the long run is that AI is, yeah, the hype is real, but there is the revenues. Are the revenues going to come from it? It doesn't that's sound like that. CFO can't say that. Yeah. I mean, and so that's have one that thing that you got to be thinking about, right? The usage is there, but is there actual revenue coming from it? And then Gradual. another major part here on Microsoft mentioning that the OEM revenue is down. Device revenue is down. Personal computing revenue is down. What does that show? That shows concern for me on recession um, because people are not buying computers. People are not buying up. No one wants Windows Word anymore. No one needs it. I mean, let's just be honest. Well, and and maybe that's not so. Maybe that's a Microsoft issue. They have definitely a lot of the products they are selling that are not doing great. That's why they need Azure right now. They need that growth in cloud. Because this is the driver of the multiple here. Well, AI has been the driver of the multiple, and they just completely that. So, I mean... It depends on how much that media runs with this narrative. Like we, I haven't seen them talk about that comment much, but you know, maybe they don't want to talk about it. The market media likes, you know, it's, they like the market higher. But you know, on this show, we talk about what we see. I, 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 I still think it's tough to just come in here and say, yeah, they're going to knock it down. Logically, they should knock it down. Logically, I think Microsoft should be down thirty points on this. Logically, but this market isn't trading logically anymore. It's trading off of FOMO and momentum. So that's why I don't short it down 12 because I've seen, you know, like I think it's worth more, but it doesn't matter what I think. It's what the market thinks. And we are still in a bull market. We're going to get the Fed commentary, which could change things here at two yeah, o'clock. But, too. Yeah. you know, if he's, you know, and if, if obviously he's, you know, somewhat, you know, talking about like a one more and done, that could drive the market rate back higher. So 
you've got to be very careful taking a bearish thesis in a bull market. And this bull is not dead yet. And just to put it in perspective, uh, 30% of uh, more personal computing uh, makes up Microsoft and then intelligent cloud is 37% of their revenue. So uh, just trying to focus on different areas of their business. If 30% of their business is struggling pretty bad, I don't see it too much better. 33 right now. times earnings. That's why it's not in my long-term portfolio anymore. So it's, it's, it is a value game. Like people can say, well, Microsoft always goes higher. You know, some people in the chat saying that. You look well, at the chart of Microsoft from 2000 to 2015. Uh, it took yeah, 15. I, it hit its high in 2000. It took 15 years for Microsoft to get back to that high. You can't see it there. Because you are going back to 2000, but that was the bubble. No, Microsoft but this was... was trading 60 times earnings back then, though I remember it was like 60. So it wasn't 33, it was twice as high. But I mean, you've got to watch when you're investing long term, you do want to you know, understand the multiples. As long as they're growing like crazy, it's okay to pay 30 times earnings. But when growth starts to slow, that's where you start to have problems here. I just can't bring myself on a company of Microsoft size, not really you know, firing on all cylinders, growing. but yeah. firing on a couple of cylinders. To pay 33 times earnings. So, but, you know, the, well, the market's probably going to buy the dip because that's what it does. There might have been a company that did it a little bit better, right? Let's go to Alphabet. Let's go to the Google report. And one thing I wanted to mention, I thought this was pretty funny, but maybe Google did better because they mentioned AI more times yeah, than they did. Microsoft. They did. As <laughs> Google mentioned AI 80 times 80 versus times. Microsoft's. <laughs> 65 times that's what uh, it's all about so that's what it that's what it might have been the hey those algos man they they definitely were counting it i'm sure uh let's get to the action here from Alphabet. who counted at benzinga who was sitting there counting do you do you have to question that come on was it you just take were one you guess counting? nope it wasn't money mitch who chat was gbt chat gbt it wasn't chat gpt it was Chad AGPT Come on, AI. come on, Dennis. You know him. You you've been seeing him was work hard in the background. Did you have Nick? Of count? course, my boy that heard AI Nick, in his sleep. You, we love you, Nick. Nick Brown, of course, looking out after us. Uh, yeah, no, but Nick Brown's been helping us out here. He's been Nick's interning great. here love at Nick. Benzinga, so definitely give a shout out to Nick Brown, of course. News by Nick. If you want to check him out on Twitter, let's Nick, get to the action out there, here. man. We got Nick. Nick digs for us. We we all out at Nick. He digs for us. Oh, trust Nick me. Finds good stuff. That's what he's there on live trading for. He's just dig. So if you need to dig, let him know. Alphabet Q2 EPS coming in here at a dollar forty-four, beating the dollar thirty-four estimate. Sales at seventy-four point six billion, beat the seventy-two point eight two billion estimate. And now um, there were some comments in the earnings reports that I thought were pretty interesting. Of course, CFO saying that the financial results reflected continued resilience in search with acceleration of revenue growth in both search and YouTube, as well as momentum in cloud. We continue investing in growth. Search revenue came in at 42.62 billion, cloud revenue totaling 8 billion, and YouTube ad revenue hitting 7.66 billion in the quarter. Nice rip on this one. Yeah. They took that. Nice rip. I, I'm just gonna for the technicals, just for today, I'm gonna give you that pre-market after hours high at 132.70. Uh, but I think the more inner, I'm going to look at this, try a little bit longer term. I think it's all about this hold at 130 today. I mean, that's going to be my swing level. Former high of the move, 129.55. You're still, comf you know, not comfortably above. You're still above that right now. But, you know, if you're looking for a push to 140 here, you're going to have to find a host of buyers here at 130 to support the market at 130 to build a foundation to keep going higher. So that's that's that. That's what I'm looking at uh, for Google in the short term. But, uh, you know, pretty good. Man, they make a lot of money, don't they, Dennis? 23 Guys. times earnings, I believe, only here. So, again, you're getting a discount compared to Microsoft here. Um you know, the question is, and that's the biggest question, I think this actually helped them too, that, you know, if Microsoft's talking about their, you know, AI sales growth being gradual, it doesn't sound to me like they're imminently going to murder Google search. So, you know, that probably helps them too. And I mean, these two companies are, are literally at war with each other. 
So yeah, it's not surprising that one, you know, they're both trying to say AI. They're both trying to, Google's trying to protect, obviously, their monopoly on search. And Microsoft's trying to get a piece of the action. So, you know, 23 times, it's not a cheap stock, but it's not that expensive either, especially if they can get the AI products going. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, I'm going to go with that Google might reach new all-time highs. Um, why am I going to go on the limb on that? Big thing for me is I think they're going to have a huge lift in YouTube ad revenue as you start seeing what? The Sunday ticket. I've been talking about this. This is going to be next quarter. I think this is actually going to drive a big surprise revenue growth in YouTube. And then the for, ads should uh, also get the, the lift. Football? Are you talking yes, about yeah. for the football? Uh, for the change football? in football. And I think I this mean, is massive because the truth is there's been a lot of pent, pent up demand in the NFL um, because we all have wanted the Sunday ticket. But a lot of us didn't do it because it was on direct TV. Now we get the option to do it this year. I think you're going to see a lot of people go and get YouTube. The so direct TV has officially lost Sunday ticket. They still or, have access to it, but YouTube TV is also going to it's a streaming. Well. You're going to have a streaming, and then streaming you also option. have the direct, like the satellite option. You know what sucks about streaming sports is the bloody delay. It sucks, and you know because I'm like hardcore hockey, and if you're watching streaming, my phone like starts, oh, what a goal! And I'm like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, really? boom, ten seconds later, the goal. It's like 30 seconds, Joel. The stream is, streaming is brutally delayed. It is. It's like 30 seconds. I mean, in some cases, it might be a little bit less, but it's like 30 seconds delayed. So, I mean, if you're just sitting there, I have to shut my phone off. If I'm streaming something, I shut my phone off because I don't want to know about the goal before I see the goal. So, because somebody who's watching, you know, old school cable, which is direct line in, is always faster. So, the streaming, it does suck that it's slow. In turn, saying the same thing. I know he's complained about it before, too. I don't know why they can't, like, figure that out. But the streaming, because it's got to go up and it's got to do whatever it's got to do, it's slower. Like, satellite was always it's slower. You got to go up to the sky and you got to come back it's down. It's latency, though. It's, it's just latency a part of the latency to get you the quality that you're looking for, right? It's, so, that, essentially, you need to is. create a buffer so that you can give that but, quality. But, but what Dennis, uh, what Mitch is mentioning here, though, is like a show. So, you know, there's not touchdowns being scored, right? The Sunday ticket's like more of a preview show. No, 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 Sunday no, ticket no. Is the games. It's all access That's to games, called. Joel. Yeah, all games. access oh, to yeah. away games. Away yeah. games. They oh. have. They can't be in your home network, right? Like, oh, you know. Okay, okay. But like, yeah. let's say for me that I'm a big Dolphin fan and I like watching Dolphin football games. I usually have to go to the bar down the street to go watch the game because they're delayed on the, the streaming that's i would have to go down the street to actually watch that game or so, i would normally do the red zone and it would, that's just touchdowns now i can actually get sunday the game tickets. huh that's gonna be a big boost yeah like you know i have old school digital cable joel yeah and i can stream so i have both so i have old school digital cable in my office and the old school digital cable is at least 25 to 30 seconds ahead of the stream. Not joking, like way ahead. It's not like five seconds or three seconds. Yeah, you're it's right like on that 30 end. seconds. It's a lot. You know, but, I even have a little delay in my house between two TVs. Uh, like, but it's only like a couple seconds. So yeah, a second or two I, you wouldn't care, but it's yeah. I'm not joking. It's 30 seconds the delay between streaming a live sporting event and watching it through old school digital cable. A lot of people don't have old school digital cable anymore. They've just cut the cord so they don't realize. But that's the one benefit to old school digital cable is when you're watching your hockey game, you're getting that fast. That you're getting live. it fast. Okay. Yeah. All right, now I'll do a little wrap up here for Google. Of course, they mentioned accelerated revenue growth in both search and YouTube. They also continued investing in growth. They also said they had momentum in their cloud compared to Microsoft. It's telling you devices down, uh, a personal computing revenue down, intelligent cloud uh, coming down. Right. I think we know which one's doing better, at least in the short term. It's Google right now. We'll see if Microsoft you know, can come one, back. One other different, uh, one other thing I just want to point out between the two companies, uh, you know, Microsoft, uh, you know, making that Activision, uh, you know, deal. I mean, they're they're looking for, you know, they they're looking farther on down the line for looking growth. For growth. You know, they're, yeah. yeah. Yep, and that that was a big pickup. So I don't know how long that's going to take to work through the pipes. Uh, Google, 
you know, wasn't Google Alphabet? Weren't what they did they start Alphabet because they were going to acquire a company with every letter in the alphabet? Wasn't that the you know? <laughs> yeah, or did I make like that, that up? Or did I don't I think you that made up? that up, but uh, let's keep <laughs> going. Let's go to the next area here. I'll bring us over to the banks talk that we have for today. Of yeah. course, uh, Wells Fargo is trading higher after the company raises quarterly dividend and announces a $30 billion stock repurchase program. But that isn't all the news. And of course, the banks as we're really taking an eye on PacWest, of course, yeah. as their yesterday's announcement coming in in the middle of the day. PacWest Corps, of course, trading higher after the company announced a merger with Bank of California here. And PacWest stockholders will receive 0.6569 of a share of Bank of California's common stock for each share of PacWest common, uh, common Lot, stock. Lots to unpackage here. So yesterday... There was rumors flying around that PacWest, it was during the day that PacWest was going to get bought and they and they were already saying by BANC. So the rumors were out there, but we didn't know the price. And on the initial, BANC went down and PacWest just went slightly higher. But then as more material, people were saying, this is going to be a take under. And then they started hammering, hammering PacWest. Like down to the tune of like, it was down like 25%. I saw so they were like, oh boy. And then they started rallying BANC because they're thinking, oh, they're getting a discount on the assets. Like there was rumors out there that it was going to be a hell of a lot lower price. It was all just rumors though. And then right at four o'clock, they announced the deal and it wasn't that bad. It was a take under. It was, but a as little if you bit. math, 0. Yeah. 0.6569. So it was slightly lower than where the stock was trading, but it wasn't massively lower. And that's why you had the violent spike. So now this is going to trade risk garbs out there. It's going to trade off of BANC. So BANC being your leader here. And you will see, obviously, as BANC goes up, PACW is going to go up 0.6569 shares worth. So I don't think they're going to come in and antitrust anything on the banking sector because there's been too many problems. They want the yeah. banks to consolidate more. So you're going to see this merger probably goes through. And PACW, BANC, that's your ratio here now. So as BANC moves, PACW move 0.6569. That's what you want to know. I tell you, it, under any kind of circumstances, when a stock is getting you know taken out, I don't think my initial reaction would be to sell. I know, I mean, I, and and I just I looked at it and I'm thinking, oh, wow, you know, this must be a really low price or whatever. And I see it go down, and then I, I just I don't know what people are. I don't know what rumors came out that it was going to be a take under or or whatever. They were saying but, it on CNBC too. Like there's rumors out here this is going to be a take because they're like, why is the stock trading down? It's getting bought out. And this was before four o'clock. There's like there's rumors this look is going to be the action a take in under. KRE. Look at how the action went in KRE because yeah, well they started hitting. They're like, oh my gosh, is there problems here? KRE got hammered on it initially because they're like, oh my right goodness, <laughs> yeah, is there problems here? Like, is there banking problems again? No, no, it wasn't that bad. So, and then obviously KRE's right back up here now. Yeah. Great, great point there. Mitch. They started hitting all. They started hitting all the regional banks to a certain extent, the smaller ones, because they were worried, like, whoa, 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 are we back in regional banking problems? But it wasn't that bad. The take, the take under price wasn't that bad. <laughs> Yeah, let's so, just take a look at uh, BANC. I mean, probably still getting a, a pretty good deal on this. Uh, it popped up to 17 yesterday. Uh, that's a big move uh, for it, or it popped up in the after hours. I'm still looking at this $16 area from yesterday. A lot of people probably got caught on that spike up. So you clear you clear 16, things look open between 16 and 17. But very unusual move for that stock, the, the range that it had yesterday. So maybe a couple days of consolidation, let the street try and figure this out. But uh, yeah. keep an eye on yesterday's high at uh, 16 the daily high was at 1608. And for the Wells Fargo, if Dennis, Dennis will use his comment, if you're buying Wells Fargo up two bucks <laughs> over on anything, you're doing it wrong. Because Usually, it takes yeah. so much stock to move Wells Fargo. I don't think you have any shot of getting it 4755 today. And I think what well, you might even struggle. What's been the, the high of the move? Well, let's do a kind of hanging out here. a fuck up. Yeah. Yeah. So multiple things. It's just crazy good news, though. Like, I mean, it is good news. Um, and it's a great point, Joel. Banks just don't move up 10, 12. They just don't have huge moves. So when you're buying it up four or 5%, 
no way. it's probably yeah. not going up seven or eight. So you're in all likelihood going to be on the wrong side of the trade. That comes right back to Tim Quas. You know, look at the average range. You know, look at stuff like that. Yeah. What does stuff move? What is stuff worth? I mean, I specialize in like, what is this worth? Because, you know, I'm trading news. I'm trading, you know, after hours sometimes, you know, headlines. And like, what is this worth? It's worth a buck. It's worth a buck. Um, yeah, again, buck remember, $30 billion <laughs> authorized. So they're allowing themselves to buy back as much as $30 billion. That doesn't mean they're going to come in and actually do that much. Mm -hmm. But they're authorized $30 billion. So uh, you get a Chevron authorized. You're like, they got a lot more cash flow. And they this is money. huge, though. It's a huge $30 billion on a Wells Fargo buyback. To give you perspective, the company is worth like 175 That's crazy. So you're talking about like a 16 or 17% of the float Dude, Give buyback. that to the shareholders. That's Don't big, man. Give it to the depositors is what you should be saying. They're trying yeah. to give it to shareholders. But from multiple people reaching out, I'm still getting nothing in my you know checking account at my Wells Fargo. Yet they're doing enough to give me a $30 billion buyback. This is not a good PR move. I will no, tell you that much. This is going to get headlines, 30 billion buyback, and be like, why am I still getting 0.05% in my checking account if you're doing $30 billion <laughs> buybacks and interest rates are up to 5.2%? So you want to charge me 7.5% on a loan, but you want to give me 0.05% in my checking account. What's up? Well, Dennis, <laughs> we know exactly what's up. They're trying to get that risk-free, baby. They're taking your money and going to get that risk-free and being oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, guaranteed. We'll make the difference. We'll, we'll, we'll I, I want to bring this uh, just the price action in this uh, in the Wells Fargo. I just want to bring it uh, something from yesterday, and I wish I would have made a little bit more of a stand on it with the Walmart. I mean, the thing got upgraded at all time highs. Remember, we were talking about Dennis. I hope he didn't try to buy that off the open yesterday because it uh, it it opened and it was right near the high of the session, right? 160.46, 160.52. So if you bought that, that, just a big, thick stock like that trading up, I mean, it traded up to 161.50 yesterday. Uh, and I just kind of look at Wells Fargo in the same way. Even to open up at this level, you're going to have to chew through some fat. And I don't think this thing right now, I think there's big sellers at the 47 and a quarter area. Uh, you got one through thing it. it's got yeah. going for it, Joel. If you get too bearish on it, one thing you got going for it is that this is value day. So you have Microsoft down, okay. you have the S and P holding up. The banks are a good story here because the Pac W wasn't that much. I think a source of strength today is going to be the banks. I think you could see a lot of banks that could end up going up to two percent on no news. So okay. that could be a driver. Wells Fargo is probably worth two percent because of its news. But if you see a continued rotation today in the value, and, it, and it, maybe that changes. Maybe Microsoft gets bought right off the hop. It's already starting to get bought a little bit. And maybe they rotate right back to tech. But if tech, these are all ifs. We always set up scenario analysis. I'm not telling you what's going to happen. Setting up scenarios. If tech remains depressed today, and you're seeing a lot of cloud, the banks, a lot of cash stuff, banks? Amazon's down, the cloud stuff is down. If that remains down, they will buy something else because that's what they do. They just don't go to cash. So if they're buying something else, a logical target today would be the banks. So I'm actually kind of bullish banks just for today. Like Citigroup, Bank of America, barely up. You know, you're looking at Wells trading up 2%, but they're not up much. Now, again, that can change. Things can change very quickly. Maybe we get more news. You know, there's, there's other things that can change that. But right now, they look like, at least last night, they were rotate, trying to rotate into the banks. All right, let's get one more before we get our guest on today. Let's go to Boeing here as their Q2 EPS coming in at a loss of 82 cents, beating the loss of 84 cent estimate. Sales of 19.75 billion beat the 16.58 billion estimate. Boeing says that the 737 program is transitioning production to 38 per month and plans to reach 50 per month in 2025 and 2026 timeframes. Still expected to deliver 400 to 450 airplanes this year numbers were fine it's not a cloud stock even though the the planes go up into the clouds some people this looks great there. man this looks great so, it, yeah and it's been in consolidation station i think they report on the right day though because you know when you get microsoft hit and a lot of the cloud names are down tech's kind of under a little bit of pressure here today they're, they're thinking non-tech and boeing is non-tech so i think that's why you're seeing the stock you know, and, and again, the earnings were fine. They weren't 
like you know they they're still losing thing. money I, lose I mean they're money, amazing man. amazing at losing money when you know they air, they're obviously at the airlines firing on all cylinders you know making yeah. record profits here Look but Boeing's sales, still losing yeah. money that sales the sale, well, record profits too. I think on the bottom line, I don't yeah, remember. I don't UAL think they're cared about the earnings per share. They're not caring about that yet. Um, they're seeing the sales go higher here. Yep. They're seeing a turnaround, potential turnaround story Future here, growth. and it's reporting on the right day. I, I'm not fading it. Yeah, and one thing that I'd point out is uh, industrials have been pretty strong, right? It's not an area that I want to be fading. Very right now. strong. Just look at XLI. I've been talking about this for like over a month now. That industrials had been looking like they want to just keep going. And they are keep going, right? I Man, mean, look I'm looking at the, at the EPS here, <laughs> and for I mean, there's some ugly numbers here for the EPS. This is an EPS beat, uh, 2.38. The revenue over three billion better. So that's what uh, that's what they're liking about this report. But I talked about this one. I think on pre market prep plus yesterday, and uh, going into the report, I think you just gotta. Like you're looking at the monthly here and 223.91 was your high from last month. Now you snuck above that in the pre-market going up. Well, not by too far. You went to uh, 220. It looks like over. Nope. 224 right on the nose. So that's my bogey here. That would be a breakout on the monthlies. It struggled there ever. I mean, that. Post-COVID run, you know, the initial silliness in 21, it did get above that level, getting like 270, 280. Uh, but for me, it's just, you know, what can you do at 224? Not only, you know, trade there, take it out, close above it, and build a foundation. And if you're looking for a breakout, that's what I'd be looking for in Boeing would be a close above and if you're 224. If you're looking for the laggard trade, I mean, the Boeing True. has yep. been a laggard too. So, you know, you have a lot of like, to your point, Mitch, XLI breaking out, making new highs. Boeing's 200 bucks from its all-time high. So if you're looking for like something that's been in consolidation, something laggard, there's a lot of reasons not to fade the state. Spinner making a good point on the free cash flow too. I mean, it's got that going on, which is good. Hey, guys, so the, that was airlines fine. aren't but, doing too bad, right? Oh, did we, did we I, forget I think, about Angie? I think I'd be scared. I'm not fading it. I'll say that. I'm not fading this. All right, let's go ahead. A lot of times I'm up 3 4%. I naturally want to fade it. I'm not fading this one. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get to our guest today. You guys smash the like. Let's keep it going right here. Pre-market prep. Angie, are you outside? I am. You caught me in the outside office today. So I figure this is the best way to guarantee we don't get the summer break interview interruption, courtesy of Colton. So, oh man, isn't it like 90 degrees? No, it's gorgeous right now. I think we're like, I'm under the shade. So it's 70 degrees. The sun hasn't hit me yet. So, pretty good. I'll go back inside. Like, the I like the background. I wish I could bottle Michigan summers. Like that's the oh, only thing I man. wish I could do. Like a Michigan summer it makes it worthwhile in the wintertime. I can tell you that much. So, so right, let's get here. here. Okay. Angie Setzer, founder and partner at Consense ROI following the commodities markets uh, for a long time, all the way through the pre-pandemic, through the pandemic. She told me I was not going to go hungry and I needed to stop going to Costco to buy rice. I did finish off my second bag of rice, though, that I bought during COVID. But uh, let's talk about what's going on. And there's two things. I want to talk about what's going on in the Black Sea. And yeah. then what about this weather on crops? So let's start with the, the Black Sea. What's going on over there? Yeah. So what isn't going on right now, it feels like, right? Like there's just a, a new development every day. And, and currently, I would say I would describe the situation as eerily quiet. So we had Russia, obviously, you know, last week pull out of the Black Sea Grain Initiative um, and say that they couldn't guarantee the safety of any ships, you know, working their way into Ukraine um, through the Black Sea. Uh, and obviously the market reacted accordingly. Um, and then we kind of level heads prevailed, right? Because in reality, we've been spending hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars to figure out ways to facilitate alternative export routes for Ukrainian grain anyway. You know, the, the biggest thing that Russia has had, you know, over the West and, and over just about everyone is the Black Sea Grain Initiative and the control over whether or not Ukrainian grain can flow through that export channel. Um, and so when it, you know, when everyone kind of cooler heads prevailed, we we're like, OK, well, as long as he doesn't attack port infrastructure um, 
we're fine, right? As long as we don't see merchant ships attacked, as long as he is Putin doesn't attack port infrastructure, we're fine. And so apparently uh, he he read that type of commentary. I'm kind of tongue in cheek when I say that. But reality is we kind of saw um, some targeted attacks on port infrastructure, both in Odessa, um, where you know, that would be where the grain would flow through for the Black Sea Grain Initiative. The Danube ports um, have stepped up as a huge lane of importance between them and the solidarity lanes into the EU. We basically can take care of all of the Ukraine grain export needs that we have. But to see Putin come in and earlier this week, um, you know, kind of do a strategic t- attack on the the Danube ports, different, you know, it kind of uh, put us into a, a different level of risk. But now he's got Africa, you know, the leaders from from a, several African nations in town and, and is working with North Korea. We have the BRICS summit in a month, you know, this, that and the other thing. And so, yeah, it's quiet all of a sudden. And so now we're waiting to see what the next step is, um, you know, and, and the yeah. biggest worry is Ukraine does something to impact Russia or we see further attacks on on export infrastructure. What about the weather, Angie? I mean, it seems like it's not affecting, I mean, soybeans. I mean, is it hitting all the hot weather, hitting all the soybeans or whatever? Because I see the beans in the teens. I see them at a uh, multi-year high, but I see corn kind of lagging. I mean, now corn's still kind of strong, but I'm looking at the wheat. Tell us what's going on with the weather. Yeah, the weather has been impactful. We had a lot of areas at the start of the growing season here in the U.S. that had the driest um, May and June, you know, on record or one of the driest on records. And so uh, that creates concern. We've never really dealt with significant dry weather. Well, we have. Um, you know, and obviously it can go a couple different ways. We can have the 2012 production reduction sort of scenario, or you could have a 1992 uh, end up with a record crop scenario, depending on how weather works out. And reality is we'll probably be somewhere in between. And so for the bulk of the growing area in the U.S., the heat really hasn't come on until this week. This week is really the first big push of, of heat um that we've seen and we've had a couple you know sporadic sort of bumps where we got into the 90s in Iowa or something like that but this week's the first week where we'll be close to 100 um the biggest thing that we're seeing though is that the heat pushes back south to the southern areas where the bulk of production you know the bulk of of what has taken place when it comes to important production um you know in the the southern states Kentucky at draw line you know southern plains south you know that's already been kind of done and so the heat to the south isn't the greatest, but from an overall standpoint, we're going to be hot across the Corn Belt, you know, through this week into Friday. But then it cools off again and the forecasters are calling for an increase in moisture. And so we're waiting to see if that happens. If it doesn't, if we see a continuation of heat and, and the moisture doesn't show up, you know, as currently forecast for next week and beyond, it's a whole different ballgame. We just really have no room in soybeans right now. Um, to have any sort of yield loss or, or major production loss without something else changing. And so it's going to keep soybeans on its toes. Corn has a bit more room. The bulk of wheat production is wrapped up it, across the U.S. We have some spring wheat concerns in the northern plains, and then we have the Canadian prairies. So wheat doesn't get impacted as much by weather, at least in the northern hemisphere right now, as much as what corn and beans would be. But another thing we're holding our breath over, I'm surprised I haven't fallen over. I feel like all I do is hold my breath in this business. <laughs> Uh, one thing that i'd like to ask about this angie is uh do you think that it's more the dollar playing in effect or are we actually starting to see these prices start to rise well we're seeing the prices rise because we'd completely removed risk premium from the market like we'd kind of just assumed that russia and ukraine were going to continue to do what they were doing in the areas that they were doing it and it wasn't really going to impact grain prices too much you'd seen the the speculators, you know, really short the wheat market. They developed one of the largest wheat positions that they'd had in quite some time. You'd seen folks go short the corn market. I mean, we saw speculators go short for the first time in how many years? Um, and so I think you saw, you know, some folks kind of jump the gun on that side. And that's helped. That's fueled the, the necessity to add a risk premium back in, you know. And so we're going to kind of continue to watch and 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 see what happens there. But we could go really sharply either way, you know, what I mean? because overall, fundamentally, from a, a cash grain standpoint, the physical products 
have only increased slightly. Like the cost of physical products have only increased slightly. You've seen some increases in freight. You've seen some changes in logistics, you know, things like that. But from an overall standpoint of physical supply availability, especially in the European Union and out of Russia and some other channels, Brazil, um, you know, the supply availability is much greater than what we had at the end of February in 2022 when the invasion initially happened. And so there's a lot of different things that are happening and, and it's really kind of created that volatility that we've grown to love, maybe. How is Potash doing right now? I've been starting to see some of these stocks start to get a little bit of a lift. Do you think that there's going to be a continued lift there? I think that catches, uh, I think it catches a bid similar to what you're seeing with corn and wheat. You know, it's it's cheap comparatively speaking, especially when you look back at what we had seen after the, the 2021, you know, we'd had the supply disruptions we'd had prior to the war. A lot of folks didn't realize that the U.S. had slapped um, <clears throat> an import tariff on Russian fertilizer imports into the U.S. And so that had helped really kind of increase um, some fertilizer prices and limit supply availability. Quietly last summer, those import tariffs got rolled back. So that's really kind of helped on that side. Supply is good, but anytime you see the corn market kind of run up in price, there's always an idea that the farmer is a little bit more flush in cash. And so you tend to see inputs to follow that, especially with the volatility when it comes to, you know, what happens if the situation with you, Russia escalates and we see the European natural gas prices soar higher again. And, you know, there's so many factors at play when it comes to, to fertilizer um, that, you know, that's just, it, it's going to catch a bit, you know, rising tide raises all ships sort of situation. Yeah. I like that leading indicator mentioned to keep your eyes on corn. So appreciate that mention and something that I'll definitely learn from. Now, one thing that I am seeing out there and I wanted to hear your thoughts on this is what about 3d stakes, Angie? Are you a fan of 3D steaks? I don't know if you're like me. I'm like, no, man. Come on, no. man. I need me a good old T-bone steak. I've been seeing, of course, cattle continue to rise. And then I'm getting to the point. Are we going to get to the point where we go to the grocery store and we got to determine, do we choose the 3D steak or the real cow? Oh, man. I mean, everything is cyclical in, in cattle prices. And so you've really seen... you. you You've seen several different things line up that has really made the herd smaller. So like the cattle herd is the smallest that we've had. The beef cattle herd is the smallest we've had in over 50 years now. Um, and a lot of that is just stuff that is has lined up. Corn prices surged. Southern Plains dealt with a drought. You know, you really couldn't, you didn't have access to stuff to feed cattle with. The prices increased. I mean, it made sense to just bring them into the, the marketplace. Uh, you're going to see the, the prices stay strong. We've got to, you know, see a, a basically a little bit of a turnaround, which I think we will. It's going to become um, profitable to raise cattle again. You're going to want to see herd sizes increase. We've got weather um, that has improved. You know, pasture conditions are a heck of a lot better than what they've been. We should have a decent amount of grain available to feed. The problem is with cattle is it's very different than like chicken or hogs. Like chicken or hogs, the, the breeding cycle is, is a few months, whereas with cattle, it takes you almost two years from birth to harvest. And so you really aren't going to see this sort of snap your fingers and in a few months, all of a sudden, we're going to have supplies back to where they were. Um, you know, for the most part, you are seeing retail prices creep up to where demand is getting cut into a little bit. You've seen some changes with other available protein supplies. So folks are kind of leaning towards maybe pork because you saw hog prices just absolutely get decimated. I mean, you could buy a bacon wrap pork filet at Meyer here for $1.50 at one point. Like how ridiculous is, is that? But I'll buy 20 you know? Yeah. yeah. And so <laughs> there's a lot of things that are happening in that protein sector, the livestock sector. The 3D meat is fine. You may see some consumers lead into it, but it, I really kind of say it's similar to like your beyond meat sort of direction. Yeah, your target okay. audience will try it. Folks like me, not gonna. Yeah. You know what I mean? like, uh, it's just no thank give you. Give me the real thing. Where's I the want beef? the real thing. Exactly. Like, where's exactly. The beef like thing? that's yeah, right I, just, I mean it's there's room for everyone, but I it's not for that on my plate. Angie Setzer, founder and partner at Consist ROI, a great follow on Twitter, the goddess of grain, joining us here again on Benzinga's pre-market prep. And Angie, I'm going to get out there to see that operation soon. I know I said that before, but uh, I'm going to get out there on the west side of the state and visit you real soon. Thanks, Angie. Great information. <laughs> Thanks for having me. 
Always great. And uh, I'm sure Angie throws some good barbecues. Um, so I think you got to get out there, Joel. For sure. All right. Let's get back to the market. How are we looking, Joel? Uh, we just made a new low for the pre-market session, 85.75. If I told you I had support here or a level, I would not be honest with you. Uh, Tuesday's low is 79 and a quarter. So I'd be looking for that as a our target on the downside, but man, if they don't get there really quickly off the open and you know, the buy the dippers, right. We'll come in and get us back. Let's see if we can get back to unchanged on the session, but uh, that's what I'm seeing. Triple D you seen anything out there in balances? Pressure, same story, a little bit of rotation. The IWN has been green all morning. It's starting to try to go red. We have been leaking a little bit on the S and P. You do have rotation. The banks are definitely a pocket of strength here. We're definitely seeing strength in, in the banks. We're also seeing pockets of strength from, you know, consumer staples, Coke reported earnings, which we didn't get to. They were okay, not great, but they were fine. And now that's let's why go to that one. This one's yeah, actually maybe we should back right now. Part. I think it's an interesting stock yeah. definitely to look at today. Q2 EPS 78 cents beats a 65 cent estimate. Sales of 12 billion beat the 10.56 billion estimate. Coca-Cola sees fiscal year 23 comparable EPS growth of five to six percent. Free cash flow at 9.5 billion. But one thing to mention here: Q2 unit case volume growth flat. It's not a growth industry. So they're not it's selling not more the Coke. Industry. They're just selling more expensive Coke. <laughs> they're That's reporting on the right day because we're kind of, you know, in a little bit of, you know, defensive, you know, nature. The market's playing a little bit of defense. So Coke reports on the right day. I tweeted last night that Coke's likely to go up on the report because yeah. one, if they say anything, okay, they're reporting on the right day. It's all about kind of sometimes the day you're reporting on. Right now, it's a little bit of a risk off morning. So Coke's a risk off stock, meaning it actually goes up when the market goes down. So you're seeing that. But I mean, you got a PE on this thing of 27. Forward PE is 24. This is not a cheap stock. It's got a 2.9% dividend. I'm going to keep coming back to the same thing. Why own Coke when you get 5% in the treasury? You're not going to get huge gains off of a Coke. If you're jumping there for a 2.9% dividend yield, that's over 2% below the risk-free rate. So, and I look and it's had a pretty good run here the last three or four days. I think 65 is major resistance on this. So oh, could it eventually shit. see 65 maybe, but oh, why? You know, the only thing we're going for today is it's reporting on the right day, but I think, why do I want to own Coke? This is wow. not a stock that I want to own right now in a 5% risk-free environment. If interest rates drop back down to 1%, Coke becomes a nice alternative. But Tina is dead meaning there is lots of alternatives right now the tina there is no alternative that trade is long gone there is lots of alternatives and there's risk-free alternatives here i don't want to own any staples i almost own none in my long-term portfolio because what has replaced staples and preferred stocks is cash so wow. i'll take the risk free rate throw out the high throw out the low uh i mean you're buying coke up over a buck at 63 66 that's uh, above the uh, the this May uh, May seventeenth high. They took it down a buck here to six uh, sixty one and a quarter. That looks like an overshoot. Uh, but for me, we broke it. We we struggled at sixty two in June for uh, a few days. And then we got through it very nicely. Couldn't quite get to sixty three. For me, I'll say okay. It traded up. They like the report. As long as it holds sixty-two, yesterday's low sixty-two oh five. All right, then I, I could play it. But if it loses sixty-two here, um, I'm just not liking it. Not a lot between sixty-two and sixty and a half, and sixty-five. Oh boy, oh boy. I mean, you would need like the Fed to cut rates, like. A half a point, I think, for this thing to get to see. There's no FOMO happening in Coke. Coca-Cola. Yeah. Too much time on Coke. I like that. Market's driven on FOMO right now. There's not FOMO in Coke. Here's one that's getting a lot of recent volume, but has been in the gutters for so long. Teladoc uh, reporting today. Oh, yeah. And I think this is actually one to keep an eye out for. Teladoc held Q2 EPS at a loss of 40 cents, beat the loss of 41 cent estimate. Sales of 652.4 million beat the 649 million estimate. They do see a kind of not the best Q3 EPS outlook, a loss of 50 cents versus a estimate here of a loss of 33 cent estimate. So that's not the best 
outlook. But man, there's been some quite amount of volume coming in here in the last like kind of month since July. I think somebody's trying to position here in TDOC. What do you guys see? What a terrible stock this has been. <laughs> it hasn't even participated in the 2023 rally when everything techy, Kathy like has been going up. This stock is sitting near its 2023 lows. I mean, I think that's a, maybe an all-time low, 2160. No, I guess in 2017. Anywhere. 2016, it was lower. It was nine yeah. bucks. But you're yeah. Four or five-year low here. Stock was over $300 in the height of the bubble of 2020 and early 2021 before the bubble burst and the stock just never come back. With that being said, the lagger trade's on. You have some support. Could it you know, squeeze up to 26? It could. I'm not trading it here, but I just say, wow, what an underperformer. When we've actually had a pretty good year, for stocks that have been lagging, this one has not participated. So maybe it's the the sleepy laggard trade, but I ain't chasing it either. Uh, if you want a continuation rally here, then uh, it's important for this to uh, get back to that area of the pre-market high. Uh, pre-market high, 25, uh, just over 25. What was that high there? 25.18. Uh, that also represents a high from uh, four sessions ago at 25.22. That's 70 cents away. So the bulls got some work to do. If you take that out, then your daily highs start to uh, start to spread out a little bit. But I uh, really like that pre-market high coinciding uh, with your four-day high. Coming back on the downside, if you feel you really need to own this, you could probably get a look at the top of yesterday's range if one big seller comes in. 23.89, 23.74. Well, really, three three highs at the 24 area. So keep an eye on that as potential support. Well, uh, I didn't have the best feeling for it, and it definitely uh, it it got hit hard. Snap chat oh i i honestly I've been, I've been saying this since it got back down here um i i never saw it as a 30 dollar stock let alone 50 dollars let alone almost 80 dollars stock come on guys this is snapchat they had this no is... path really to like turn this thing and like have they ever been profitable as Snapchat? well there was a time a where the advertising Any? dennis was doing a lot better the advertising yeah. on Snapchat, they brought a bunch of advertising to it. It was doing a lot better in the stories and kind of getting the lift. But ever since kind of really kind of TikTok hasn't been mentioned as being kind of getting deleted, right? TikTok is still here, right? Now you get threads. There's also X. Really, let's just be honest. Snap is way down the line there. And and then, you know, it's funny that Snapchat, you know, is obviously straight down 17% here. Um, it's getting TikToked. You know, you're right. This has been, we've been talking about this. Mm -hmm. I mean, Meta just continues to get the pass here, though. I've got to think some of the legacy businesses like Facebook and stuff aren't doing that great. I guess they got, you know, Instagram still going good and they got whatever with threads now. Yeah. I just feel like taking away from Snap and maybe they buy Snap's huge support 10. So we'll just say 10 bucks, huge support. It's a lot oh, yeah. for it to bounce because it bounced so many times there in June. I think yep. pre market here even. It's kind of been the 10 area. It's actually kissed it, I think. So it's bouncing where it should bounce. So I would say if you want to take a shot off 10, I won't argue with you. But the core business is definitely under attack. TikTok. Is this something I'm investing in? No. Is it something I would trade off at 10? Maybe. Um, why does Meta just continue to get the pass, though? Like I know. It's trading up on this. I know. Yeah, I it's, know. it's trading up on this. And again, maybe that's because Google and maybe there's, you know, some other things here with Meta. But Meta reports here tonight. So Ooh. that's – is it tonight? I think it's tonight. I'm looking. Yeah, Meta, it's tonight. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's tonight. So we're going to get some information from Meta tonight. They better mm -hmm. say a lot of good things because the bar – as much as it was high for Microsoft, it's really high for Meta. Meta yeah, is super an high. unbelievable run. Super this might high. have the highest yeah. bar of them all. Yeah. So yeah. Meta had better talk about some substantial growth, whether it's the metaverse or AI or whatever. They better mention AI a hundred times, Money Mitch, because <laughs> this has a really high bar. I like the uh, I like that ten dollar area and snap as well. I mean, not one, but two, but three, but four, five, six, seven, eight, nine lows on your dailies at the ten dollar area. Uh, mm, the the bottom of yesterday's range, you're going to need a one heck of a rally on this one to get to twelve thirty five, kind of close near the low. So 
think you might need to pick an uh, intermediate target. Uh, I think for uh, meta investors here, uh, you know, getting a pop here, if you were looking to lighten up ahead of earnings, you're getting a nice pop here, uh, going contra to the market at this point. 302.76, that was your pre-market high. And I believe you got a daily high right there, too. Now, 305.46. I'd be looking for major follow-through through that pre-market high and then your three-day high at 305.46. Or I think some people just, I mean, after seeing that Microsoft, I mean, I know Google's up, Microsoft is down. I mean, if you're not taking profits, I mean, after this kind of run ahead of a report, well, then let let it ride. All right. So the Wait, nine o'clock, the nine o'clock news uh, hit here. PayPal, if you're trading PayPal, um, the headline here coming from the wire: Microsoft deepens their relationship with PayPal to offer a simple, flexible payment option. So if you're wondering why PayPal's popping up, and thanks obviously to uh, Zintis in the chat here who just let us know that PayPal is popping here this morning off of a headline just just dropped at nine a.m. off Microsoft. 75 is a big level there. 75, 75. We hit that. We filled the gap. And uh, can we bring on the guy that uh, told us that uh, Square was going out of business? Remember that? Uh, back in March, that short report, and it came down to the <laughs> 50. Remember that? They, they hit it, yeah. went down to the 58 area, recovered, came back again. Uh, so that's uh, for Square. Square's kind of flat on the day. Uh, the setup for Square, you've had what five point? Yeah, let's see if we can get to seventy-seven and a half. Got there a little bit through it yesterday, but uh, that'd be getting back half of that move and try and build a base to go back and test eighty. Uh, I'm going to wrap things up here on my end. Just trading a couple bucks off the pre-market low. Uh, just kind of a steady drip. We'll see if we get to Tuesday's low, get a bounce. Of course, things will be shaken up at 2 o'clock. So I'm going to go talk uh, more detail on these uh, Microsoft uh, earnings. Uh, Michael James over institutional uh, trading floor over at Wedbush. So everyone, have a great day. We'll talk to you later on. All right. There you guys have it. Joel O'Connor hopping out of here. We'll wrap up the day and get ready to get to the open going to be another one of course to keep your eyes out of course fomc meeting later yeah. today 2 30s there's gonna be some fireworks be careful of course algos have a tendency of what the first reaction a lot of times get faded so it's very difficult to read i will mention that for you traders out there that think you know that that's a tradable event um it's definitely for the more uh, higher expertise type of traders right i don't even try to trade that uh mention because the truth is there's some wicked movement, you know, and just be it's careful. It's usually a fade there. everything type of thing. Like you fade the initial move, then you fade the second move, you fade the third move, and you fade the fourth exactly. move. It's kind of been the way to trade these FOMC meetings. Um, it's going to be, again, we all know they're going the quarter. We'll look at language, obviously, mm -hmm. in the statement, but it's going to be about the call. What is he saying? Does yeah. media get something out of him that spooks the market or makes the market more assured that, hey, we're getting more towards the end of this. The market wants to hear that we're getting to the end of the rise. And I believe we are. I believe we are. But if he wanted to be tough, this market, stock market is allowing him to be tough because yeah, inflation is coming down. The stock market is hot as hell. If he wanted to be tough, though, with the stock market this high, he could still stay tough. There, there is no point for him to not stay tough, Dennis. Kind of, yeah. Really, let's just be honest. What would be that point? There is there, none. You're right. Like, I there mean, we're not seeing, you know, the economy fall apart. We're not seeing yeah. the consumer really even slow down. I mean, one thing is Jobless we're going to hear from Am jumping, What I'm interested right? in is, is kind of Amazon numbers on Thursday because yeah. if you're looking, we know the consumer is doing stuff. You know, we know places are busy. People are going out to eat. They're going. They're flying places. They're doing stuff. Are they still buying stuff like as much as they were last quarter? The best indicator for that is Amazon. You know, how are those Amazon earnings? Are they buying still? You know, obviously this cloud is a big part of Amazon now. But what about the legacy business? You know, how are retail sales looking? Because we know the consumer is spending a lot of money doing stuff. Are they buying stuff? That's still the question to be answered. So I'm curious on that on Thursday. But he can be very tough today. Powell, if he wants to, he has every green light to be and stay tough. 
Yeah, and I think that at the end of the day, it helps them to stay tough, right? Because at the end of the day, their initiative is still 2%. And if they're able to accomplish that 2% goal, you don't think they're going to be patting themselves on the back? Like, that's what they want. They, they, they want to come on the stream and just be like, hey, guys, we did it. We accomplished our initiative of getting inflation back down. And we did it in what? Like a year's time where everybody thought that was impossible. I think that's what they're trying to do. We'll see what happens there. All right, that's going to do it for us today on Pre-Market yep. Prep. You guys keep up with Dennis Dick, of course, Triple D Trader. I'm going to get you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere, team. We got a lot more for you guys. And I hope you guys didn't miss yesterday the book club as we did have a nice book club session. Went to three interviews, of course, of the book Market Wizards. If you guys haven't checked that out, definitely join the book club. We have over 600 members already. So want to keep growing the book club. So I'll throw up the link right here. And now you guys get over here to live trading. That's coming up next. You don't got to go anywhere. Just stay right here. This will redirect you guys to Lord Ryan, myself, and Nick Brown. Let's see what we can get into today.